broadcasting live from the Raiders practice facility at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. This is the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. What's good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. I see you guys on Twitter uh, questioning um, you know what I'm saying. All right, if you don't want to believe pro football focus, go watch Devin White play after play like you do uh, the Raiders. I guarantee all you guys that are arguing with me on Twitter have not watched every single game of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to make some sort of a judgment that he's better than 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 your guy, Cleve Farrell, doing at his is better at his job than Devin White is at his job. And you're saying that Devin White, who's not grading well uh, in a lot of areas that linebackers need to do well, uh, run coverage and pass coverage, essential parts of playing linebacker in the NFL. And ba- because he had nine sacks, six of which were in two different games. Um, you know, you're going off the deep end with him, thinking that he's the su- superior player uh, to Khalif Farrell. Uh, you know, and it's not; it's just not accurate. You, you're basing it off some statistics or maybe one game that you saw. If you watched him game in and game out, uh, you'd realize that there's major flaws in his game that need to be corrected. I don't even; I'm not sitting here saying that they won't be corrected uh, or that he, you know, can't be a good player, but. Through the first two years of their careers, Cleve Farrell has been a better player than Devin White. Those are the facts. So, um, you know, I don't know what, you know, what to tell you. Just go look at the tape and watch where he struggles and how it affects, uh, his team. Now, he's also in a better situation because the defense around him is, is much better. So his flaws, um, aren't, you know, as, uh, as, as, as hurtful as they would be in another situation. But, he has flaws in his game, and if he was with the Raiders, you would see those flaws game in and game out. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line because Sean wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Sean? Ah, Sean uh, has either hung up or been hung up on. We'll get that rectified. Uh, we'll go uh, right back out to the listener line, though, because 211 Steel Reserve wants to talk about uh, the Raiders. How you doing, 211? Ah, okay. Um, it looks like uh, we're having some trouble with the uh, caller line, but keep calling in. We'll get it fixed. Um, and, uh, okay, Mr. Pauly Mack uh, with the Canadian flag. Love the Canadians. Uh, the idea that PFF watches tape is laughable. That's just a laughable take. That's just a laughable, like, I can't even take that seriously if you're sitting here saying that Pro Football Focus doesn't have people that are devoted to watching tape. They, that's, that's their jobs and they do it very well. And trust me when I say, um, while, you know, they don't get everything perfect, talk to people around the league. Cause a lot of these guys were people that were in uh, the league. They, they, they do utilize, uh, qualified, you know, uh, uh football minded people to, to, you know, uh, to assess these things. Uh, they're on top of it. They do well. <laughs> uh, to sit here and say on Twitter, go on Twitter and say the idea that PFF watches tape is laughable. Come on, dude. I mean, that's your argument that you're you're literally saying po- the, the the pro football focus people don't watch the tape, don't do their job, are just throwing numbers out there. Okay, all right. Um, you know, I can't. Like I said, I just can't take that seriously. Um, but and it, it it's always seems to when it suits 
fans, that's what they'll quote, uh, or that's what they'll, they'll the, the reference point that they'll, that they'll use. Uh, but the fact is, I don't have any dog in this hunt. I'm not a Raider fan. I cover the Raiders. That's my job, is to cover the Raiders. And I try to do it um, as, as uh, you know, as clear-headed and uh, without any kind of emotion. I don't have any allegiance, so there's none of that going on. So I'm not looking at these guys um, in any sort of a way other than you know, can they play or they or or, or or can they not play? That's why I can sit here and say Max Crosby has a lot of work to do. Uh, I think Raider fans overvalue Max Crosby. He's gotten to the pa- you know he 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 could rush the pat the passer, but he doesn't do it on a on a on a uh, play in and play out basis. Look at his grades. His like here's the thing. So I'm sitting here saying Max Crosby needs to step it up in a lot of different areas, and the PFF grades um, absolutely reveal that. Um. But on the other end, uh, Clee Farrell, who's playing well and had a really good solid season last year, a very good year, uh, and I think is, is still an ascending player, I quote his grades, and, you know, that's, that, that's garbage too. So what is it? Are they overvaluing one guy? And I mean, I, I don't get it. They're, they're doing it honestly. They're doing it, um, you know, without any sort of emotion attached to it. It's either are you winning your battles, are you doing your job, uh, are you an effective player, or aren't you? And it's pretty easy to see that when you know what you're looking at. Um, fans get caught up in some of these sexy numbers, and, and to some extent, that's been the case with Max Crosby. If I had, I mean, for, for fans who say this, they'll, they'll literally say this, you need to find another defensive end to play opposite, you know, Max Crosby, move no, it's the other way around. They need to find a better defensive end to play opposite Max Crosby. That I mean, excuse me, uh, Clee Farrell. Not in lieu of Clee Farrell, opposite Clee, uh, Clee Farrell. And that means Max Crosby may be going to a role that better suits him, whether it's off the bench or being utilized in a, in a different sort of a way. But right now, right now, Clee Farrell is by far a better football player than Max Crosby. And that's not taking anything away from, from, from Max. He just has areas of the game, especially against the run, uh, and being a play-in and play-out impact player, he has work to do. Clee Farrell obviously has to get better, and that's what you do as a football player and as a professional athlete. Uh, you, you, you get better, but he's on his way, and he – has more than justified, based on who was drafted behind him, he's more than justified uh, his spot or the Raiders' decision to draft him when you look at him compared to the players that were drafted immediately behind him. He has. Just just watch the tape is all I urge you guys to do. Back to the Raider Nation listener line, 211 Steel Reserve. How you doing, brother? Hey, what's up, brother? Hey, enjoy your show. Love what you do. Check this out, man. Uh, sometimes Raider Nation is just it's just stubborn, man. They're hard-headed, and uh, I'm with you with what you're saying. It's easy to say that Devin White was a choice now because he's on a Super Bowl team. He won a Super Bowl, and he's got a he's surrounded by a good defense. Now you put Clee in there, who knows how much better he would be? But Clee also has that stigma when he was drafted, like like you caught that clown on the camera when he just made that face, like who is this guy? So that right off the bat, there was no love for Clee. So the Raiders are always going to knock him no matter what until he either gets a ring or is a Hall of Famer. So he's never going to get his just due, man. Just like Carr. Carr's always getting dogged out. His numbers are there. I mean, is there better quarterbacks? Yeah. I mean, but not to say that Carr is not the guy to get us to where we need to go. So it, to me, it just, man, it's funny because everybody goes to PFF, and it's all good when they say something, like you said. But as soon as they say something, it's not against, you know, that goes with their – 
with their narrative, even with our own fans, is like, oh, that's that, that's no good. It's no good. Come on, Raider Nation. Winning solves everything. And if we can just hit, you know turn the corner on all this and get that defense, like you said earlier, Tampa ranked, I want to say, 28th. Then they went uh, in 2018. Then they went 15th in 2019. And then last year they shot all the way up to 6th. Defense, right, total defense. So it's nothing. It's something you know. If the Raiders can get into the top fifteen with this offense and with Clee on the defense and get them ranked into a top fifteen defense, who knows what we can do? All we really need, even with all the car haters, because I'm the biggest car critic. But I tell you what, he showed me that he can get it done. And I tell you what, if that defense could even crack the top teams, top fifteen, who knows what we'll get? But it's doable. Look at Tampa. Hey man, keep up the great work, man. Love. love. Raider Nation, hang in. The winning solves everything. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, and and I'm with you too. Uh, Two eleven Steel Reserve. I, I get why fans are, are frustrated, but I but I see this too. Oh, you're just trusting you know grades and not numbers. Well, if you go to Pro Football Focus, if you subscribe to it uh, and look at it, it's it's so beyond just grades. They break it all down. It's all there for you to see. It's all there, like what the passing, the completion percentage is that Devin White, you know, that, that quarterbacks have against Devin White, how many times he's been targeted and how many passes he's given up for how many yards, um, you know, his, his, his run defense, his missed tackles. It's all there. It's not just a number. They literally back up the numbers with statistics and it goes deep, like really, really deep. And so you're, I think fans just assume, oh, they're just putting a grade on these guys. Yeah, but they back it up. Look at it. Go look at their site. Before you scoff at Pro Football Focus and some of these other sites that do these breakdowns, at least take the time to look at it and to see what they're talking about and how they break it down and the extent that they break things down. They get really, really deep. And, you know, I know that, you know, we live in a society where, um, you know, you just want information. A lot of times, too many times, not everybody, but some people, they just want information that substantiates their feeling. And they won't be open to the opposite or something that contradicts what their belief is or what their preferred belief is or preferred outcome is. Um, so they'll just scoff at it or make fun of it or not even take a look at it, like an earnest look at it. I, I urge you guys uh, – to, to look at Pro Football Focus, go, go on their site and check it out and see how deep they go. It's so involved and so in-depth that you're sitting and, 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 and it becomes laughable that you're, that you're expecting me to take your word for it because you saw Devin White play a couple times and make some good plays against guys that literally study every single play, every single play with a whole litmus uh, and categorized uh, elements that they're looking at and they're judging and they're assessing and they're you know uh, uh, putting into the calculus of how they grade players. It's not just an overall grade. There's run defense. There's pass defense. Um, there's there's uh, pass uh, rush. They break it down to this extent where it's not just a number. It's all backed up by data and by information. So before you just run, you know, oh, I can't believe we're using Pro Football Focus as a as a um, uh, you know a, as a benchmark. Well, have you ever gone to bet Pro Football Focus? Like seriously, gone? Don't lie and say that you have, and you know that you know everything about it. Because I can't. If you're saying that, if you're not taking it um, at least serious enough that you're not laughing at it, 
then it's obvious you haven't taken a look at it before. It's obvious you haven't taken the time to study it and to see what they're all about. So, yes, Cleve Farrell is a better football player than Devin White. If you if Devin White was on this defense the last couple of years and Raider fans were watching him play in and play out, they'd understand what Pro Football Focus is saying. You've gotten caught up in a couple of good games that he's had, and I'm not saying he doesn't have talent, but there's serious flaws that he needs to get fixed. I'm a firm believer that young players, if they have the work ethic uh, and the want to uh, and the talent, obviously, uh, can get where they need to get to. But the suggestion that the Raiders whiffed on Cleve Farrell and missed out on Devin White is not accurate. Clee Farrell, through the first two years of his career, is better at his job than Devin White is at his job. Markedly so, in spite of some of the splashy plays uh, that Devin White uh, has made. It's not a knock on Devin White. It's trying to get Raider Nation to understand that they've got a good football player in Clee Farrell. He's going to be part of the answer. Not He's not part of the problem. He literally is part of the answer. I don't know why uh, some there's a blind spot to that for some Raider Nation fans. It's been explained to me, well, he was drafted fourth overall. and He can't help where he was drafted. You know what his responsibility is? Being a good football player, being the best player that he could possibly be, being part of the answer and not part of the problem. And in all of those cases, Clee Farrell has lived up to all of that. He is part of the answer. He has been a good football player. Last year, he did take a big step forward. Something that he promised to do coming off a rookie year that was a transition going from the NFL, uh, going from college to the NFL. He promised that he was going to come back even better in year two. He did. And every metric, every measure, every stat, every film study shows that. And I suspect that he's going to do the same thing in year three. You're going to see an even better player uh, in year three. And if you put him around even better players, that's going to help him too, while the, he's going to also help them. So, again, I don't get the hate uh, for, for Cleve Farrell. Um, I just don't. But that's fine if you want to you know, not like him or, or hold it against him that he was the fourth pick. But don't throw this garbage at me that Devin White is the better player because he's not. Neither is Josh Allen, <laughs> for that matter. Uh, the Kentucky linebacker, he's played pretty well, but he hasn't, isn't grading out like Cleve Farrell is. What? Do, 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 I mean, let me ask you this. Do you think that pro football focus just has it out against Devin White and Josh Allen and the guys that were drafted behind uh, Cleve Farrell and have something maybe, maybe you know, or just have a soft spot for Cleve Farrell? They're not looking at it like that. They don't care about who these guys are, what teams they play on, where they were drafted. None of that matters once you get to the NFL. It's either are you a player or you're not. Can you play or can't you? Are you helping us or not? And Clee Farrell has been. And Raider Nation, some, not all, some, just can't bring themselves to either understand that or admit it. And I think it's a little bit of both. I, I don't think that Raider Nation is fully understanding the position that he plays, what he's being asked to do, what his strengths are, and how he helps. I don't think that Raider Nation, uh, on a whole, understands that. But I also think, and I tweeted this out, sometimes people make rash decisions, emotional decisions, uh, and miscalculations that are not based in reality, that are based more on emotion and feelings than actual fact. And when they're proven wrong, they're not willing to admit it. They just won't. So they'll hold on to the position and they'll continue to say, 
Devin White's a better football player. Better, De- Devin White's a better football player than Cleve Farrell, even though by every measure he isn't. Uh, going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Is it Eddie? In L.A., what's going on, brother? Ah, Eddie in L.A., how you doing, man? Good. Same old, same old. I suspect the reason uh, people are, or Raider Nation is upset with Killian Farrell is because of the West, the East Coast bias. They got to stop thinking that we're, we got to be talked about in order for the players to be good and start seeing what we have. Same issues that they have with Carr. They keep thinking that Carr's not a good player. Why don't you ask Nelly? Ask Nelly if Carr's not a good quarterback. I think uh, Carr just made Nelly a lot of money. He also made Cook a lot of money. And what did Cook do? You don't see those big numbers he's putting up? No, he's not. Because the same type of quarterback is not there throwing him the ball. So I'm absolutely with you. We have to see what we have. We have to give these guys time, not only time to grow, but time to gel. If you don't got better players around a a fourth overall pick, it doesn't matter who it is. He's not going to be able to do it by himself. You think Khalil Mack is going to be a force that he is without the other players around him in Chicago? No, he's not. By himself, he wouldn't be. Same thing when he was here. When he was by, when he was next to Irving, and Irving was playing the same production that he was doing when he was in Seattle, there's no different. It takes a team. I'm tired of hearing people whining and complaining, and not understand how football works. If it takes all 11 players from each side of the ball, we're never going to get anywhere with that. We have to. We can't keep changing schemes, changing players, because we want to. We want to see those guys with the big hits. We want to see those interceptions, and forget about the entire the entire complexity of what it takes to build a winning team and a winning culture. But that's, that's what you got to do. you got to get continuity. And until people realize that, until we, and we stop bashing what we have and realize that we, have, we do have good players, we just needed a better scheme and we need better players around them, we will be all right. We just got to chill out and let these guys grow. I agree. And, um, you know, uh, I, I also think that, you know, we, we, we get – because somebody is the fourth pick overall, there's like this general assumption that he's going to be a lights out Hall of Famer, um, you know, from, from, from the get go. And you know that's that's not that's not accurate either. I mean, you're not always getting Kilo Mack is a is a is a is a generational player. All right, he is. He's really really good. Uh, Lawrence Taylor was that kind of a player. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go through. Uh, I gotta uh, find it here. But I'm gonna go through uh, the history of the fourth overall picks. Uh, you know, and 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 we'll I'll I'll just show you that there's a lot of misses with that fourth pick. It's not a guarantee that you're going to the Hall of Fame uh, uh, at that pick. So really, and I've been around this long enough. It's either can you help or can't you? Are you a good player or aren't you? Um, and Cleve Farrell is he, and he's getting better too. So um, the whole thing about that he's that doesn't look like a Hall of Famer right off the bat. Therefore, he he's a because he was the fourth pick overall. It's just garbage because nothing in the NFL history shows that. We have Shelby Harris. We had Shelby Harris, right? What are we doing? We're talking about getting them back when we already had them. That's, that, that's the whole point. If we don't give these players time to grow and see what we have and actually build around them, we're going to continue to overpay. We're going to continue to give away other teams, gems that they're willing to work with and build up, and then we have to then pay them to come back and expect the same productivity. It's yeah, we, I, you know, I, I brought up the um, the Lakers, you know, in my time in Los Angeles, obviously covering covering the Lakers. Um, 
you know, a few years ago, shortly, you know, toward the end of Kobe's uh, run, and then shortly after that, you had players like Brandon Ingram and 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 Julius Randle and Jordan Clarkson. Um, uh, I'm missing a couple of guys here, but uh, but but collectively with their youth, they weren't it, the team wise. It wasn't good. But individually, those were really good players. They just needed time. And now you look at Brandon Ingram, an all-star, Julius Randle, an all-star, Jordan Clarkson, uh, a guy that's knocking on the door to be the sixth man uh, of the year. Uh, Josh Hart is is doing his thing in New Orleans. Um, there's You all of a sudden understand, whoa, those guys were actually pretty good. <laughs> it's just that they weren't great right off the bat and collectively in a league where you're in a man's league in the NBA, just as you are in the NFL. There ain't no kids just walking in here collectively as a full group. There's no, um, you know, Michigan Fab Fours in the NBA. You don't get four, five freshmen going to win the national championship in the NBA. That ain't happening. Not when LeBron James and Steph Curry and Kevin Durant are walking around. You know, you, you know what, what's funny with Raider Nation? They forget about Jim Plunkett. They, they, they forget how what it took for him to actually get and be the player that he was. Rich Gannon. The same player that he is. Look at Rich Gannon. He was, you know, he he bounced around. He bounced around. He didn't, you know, the, the Minnesota Vikings misused him. And he goes to some other places and it wasn't, you know, he's playing okay. He comes to the Raiders in a right situation at the right time of his life, mentally and physically and all of those things later on. And all of a sudden he's taking you to the Super Bowl and, and the playoffs. And, and, and sometimes yeah, that yeah, happens. Yeah. Too, that's, so that's what the, the what's frustrating as a fan when you hear other fans and don't realize that if you don't give these guys, uh, these uh, players time to gel around each other and give them consistency and allow them to grow in a system, you're never going to see what their true potential is because we constantly are asking for first round draft picks to be Hall of Famers. It just doesn't work that way. They they can build themselves to be Hall of Famers, but not you know. Hey, the the, the case in point. Tom Brady was he a first round pick? No, they, get, they obviously he had time to sit there and grow. You know, Patrick Mahomes has time to sit there and grow to become Patrick Mahomes. He didn't just jump on the field the first game of the season and all of a sudden he's doing what he's doing right now. Time yeah, exactly, and and. You know, and 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 in and in Patrick Mahomes' case, and no doubt Patrick Mahomes is a tremendous player, but he didn't he walk onto a team that had made the playoffs a lot the, the previous couple of years. Exactly. It wasn't he had talent. He had talent around him. He didn't he didn't walk into a bunch of no names. You know, you have you have you have to expect for a player that's good to thrive in that system. Which he did. But he's he's a product of the environment in which he's around. We don't have that type of environment built yet. It takes time to build that. Right, exactly. And and again, yeah, I I, I bring up the Lakers all the time. To me, that Raiders defense, I'm not saying that all these guys are going to be Pro Bowl players. Uh, but there's some, there's a lot of talent on the uh, uh, young talent on this team. It's just hard to do it. To, it's it, when when you're ex- almost exclusively playing all young players. Uh, and the Raiders last year had, you know, uh, Damon Arnett, a rookie, Trayvon Mullen, a second year player, Max Crosby, a second year player, Cleve Farrell, a second year player, Jonathan Abram, who was essentially a rookie. Five players that were first or second year players on an 11 man defense, and then there were a bunch of newcomers. In and around that, it's going to be tough. So, but you can't just discard these kids after a, a, a blip on the screen, a blink of an eye, um, thinking that you made all these mistakes. Just give it a little bit of time. I thought that the 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 defense was uh, too young 
And with everything that happened with COVID-19 behind an eight ball and the fact that they were also adding in, you know, uh, there were seven new starters last year. It just wasn't conducive, but just give it time. And, um, you know, I'll reiterate this. Clee Farrell is on his way. He's already a good, solid player. He has a chance to be even better than that. Devin White has a long way to go. I know he's made some sacks, and I guess that's all we look at, man, is sacks and splashy plays. But that's 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 three plays in a game of you know how many snaps are you playing sixty snaps fifty snaps whatever it is. Watch the game, all right. Watch the game. Clee Farrell is better at his job than Devin White is at his at his. Now I'm not saying that's always going to be the case, but I kind of think it is. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. Gets you closer to the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Benny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. What's up? What's up? What's up? Uh, Raider Nation, welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Just real quick before we get uh, to MD, uh, I know he's been waiting patiently uh, on the phone. We're going to get to you in just one second. But here's the history's history of the fourth pick overall. Uh, in the NFL. I'm just going to run by some names. Last year was Andrew Thomas, the year before Clee Farrell. Uh, 2018, Denzel Ward. 2017, Leonard Fournette. 2016, Ezekiel Elliott. 2015, Amari Cooper. Raider fans know him well. 2014, Sammy Watkins. 2013, Lane Johnson. Uh, 2012, Matt Khalil. Uh, 2011, A.J. Green. 2010, Trent Williams. 2009, Aaron Curry. 2008, Darren McFadden. Uh, 2007, Gaines Adams. 2006, uh, DeBrickshaw Ferguson. 2005, Cedric Benson. 2004, Philip Rivers. Uh, definitely a great pick. Uh, 2003, Dwayne Robertson. Eh. Uh, 2002, Mike Williams. Eh. 2001, Justin Smith. Uh, Peter Warwick. Uh, Edron James. Great pick in 1999. 1998, 1998 Charles Woodson. Uh, definitely, uh, obviously, Hall of Famer. Uh, 1997, Peter Bulware. Uh, 1996, Jonathan Ogden, great player. Uh, 1995, Michael Westbrook. Uh, 1994, Willie McGinnis. So there's been there's there's great players. There's bus. There's really good players. Um, where does Clee Farrell fit into that? Through his first two years, and especially after after last year, good, very good player. Uh, could even get better. We'll see, and we'll see what happens when when you put you know better players around him. But Clee Farrell has been fine uh, up until now. There's no reason to be blaming him uh, for anything that's going on here uh, on this defense. He played really well. And I know we get caught up in certain statistics, i.e. sacks, but sacks aren't the end-all, be-all. And I think he's going to get better uh, in terms of the sacks, but he's already really good in some uh, other areas and an important part of what you do on a defense. We're going to go back out onto the Raider Nation listener line. Uh, MD has been waiting patiently. I really appreciate it, MD. Thanks for hanging in there, brother. I appreciate it. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, Thanks, Damon, as well. How y'all doing today? I'm doing really good, thanks. All right. So I'm definitely with you with the Clee Farrell aspect because everybody, that's one of the things you said since I I was calling because – Everybody just jumps on sacks. That's all it is is sacks. That, that's pretty much what everybody looks at. When you look at the defensive end, that's why everybody keeps saying we need an edge rusher, we need an edge rusher. If you really look at it, some of those sacks that Crosby got was because of Cleve Farrell. If you look at the Kansas City game, 
uh, Cleef Farrell came in off of his side, which forced him to go back into Max Crosby, which they really need is pressure up the middle so that way they can get the sack. No doubt. Forced out to them and stuff like that. Um, one of the people that I also thought that we should go and try to get is the guy from Detroit, Romeo, because I don't hear too many people talk about him, so I feel like he might be under the radar. I know you like uh, the guy from New Orleans, the slip, uh, Hendrickson, I think it is. Yep, um, right. Now, I remember, he's, he's playing opposite Cam Jordan, and I'm thinking about the guy from Detroit. He really didn't have anybody opposite him that was that big of a force, so I feel like he could definitely add that pass rush. Um, in the safety spot, I wonder who else would you think of if we can't get John Johnson because as of right now, he's looking like the top safety. And if we get outbitted in that source, yeah, I think what, what's playing, what's playing B at the free safety spot for a veteran presence. Right, absolutely. Just him and Anthony Harris is kind of like the two, the two stalwarts. Yeah, and you're talking about uh, Romeo Okarara from uh, Detroit, uh, former Notre Dame uh, Golden Domer, and uh, one of those, um, you know, really raw coming out of college uh, to Detroit, and again playing in a bad situation with the Lions, uh, but has played his way into a to a nice little uh, play day. I would not argue uh, with Romeo uh, with the Raiders at all. I, I like those ascending players that are moving in the right direction. They're not too old. Uh, they're still ceiling uh, left, and they're kind of hitting their. Um, you know, prime uh, right now. And I think he's putting it all together. I think he'd be a welcome addition here uh, without a, a doubt. Other names to keep an eye on, uh, Ed Rusher, you know, Carl Lawson, Bud Dupree, uh, Leonard Floyd, um, you know, who, who there's a guy who it wasn't happening even a good, in a good situation uh, with Chicago for whatever reason. Uh, he just wasn't, you know, living up to the, uh, to the hype. Uh, but then he goes to the Rams and maybe it was because he was on a contract year. Who knows? But he, but he turned it on with the Rams playing against or playing alongside some really good players uh, over there, obviously. But guys like that uh, to keep an eye on. Over at safety, uh, if the Raiders miss out on, on a John Johnson, uh, Anthony Harris uh, from the Vikings, um, playmaker, a guy that you know has a lot of interceptions, uh, seems to have a nose for the ball. Uh, he'd definitely be uh, an upgrade. Uh, Jerron Harmon from Detroit, uh, Keanu Neal from the Atlanta Falcons, Malik Hooker from the Indianapolis Colts. I'd be interested in Hooker for sure. Trey Boston, who is on the open market right now, uh, formerly of the Carolina Panthers, got cut in a cost uh, savings move. Uh, savings mood. Um, Xavier Woods from the Dallas Cowboys, uh, Kenny Vaccaro from the Tennessee Titans. I think when you start going down uh, into these names, you're starting to get you know into some guys that are over the hill, uh, question marks, uh, haven't been playing well uh, these last few years. So I think if you're the Ram or if you're the Raiders, I think you shoot high at free safety and 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 spend the money to go get a John Johnson and to really solidify the back of that defense because I really do believe it's going to have a positive effect on um, everybody around him, uh, from Jonathan Abram to Trayvon Mullen uh, to, to, to Damon Arnett. I think that he's a guy that has that kind of a ripple effect. Uh, but if you're looking also at edge rusher, you know, Shaquille Barrett, uh, somebody brought up that the Raiders, you know, apparently there's some stories out there that, that he's connected to the Raiders, obviously. Uh, that's a guy that's a huge upgrade. Uh, Jadavian Clowney, um, here's a guy whose star has faded. Um, he obviously he hasn't translated to the to the player that everyone assumed that he was going to be, um, but you know he the guy has has delivered some good solid football. Would you would you? I, and I'm not sure he's going to be able to break the bank. How many times does he have to go on the market to understand that he's not going to break the bank? And at what point does he just realize you know what? 
Um, I gotta, I gotta come to grips with who I am and how I'm assessed and and what my price point really is, and and just live with that and deal with that and make the most of it. Um, and so he's a guy uh, that maybe should be on the Raiders' uh, uh, radar. Uh, Yannick Ngagwe, um, I think that you know he's a guy that that an, another guy who's who, who 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 the name might pop more than necessarily the statistics. But I think in the right situation, and he's shown this when he was in a good situation in Jacksonville, uh, that he could be an impact player. Um, so maybe that's a guy that you look at in the uh, on, on, in, in the uh, uh, pass rush world, uh, defensive end. I do think that sitting at number 17, uh, the Raiders are in a pretty good position to draft, uh, whether it's a player that's kind of a raw guy. You know, there, there's guys out there that because of COVID-19 either, either didn't play a full season or opted out. Um, but if you go back to their previous years, they played pretty well. Um, so it's, it's hard to, it, no one that I've talked to, uh, says that there's a, you know, just a, a chase young, uh, Bosa brothers type defensive end out there. Um, but that doesn't mean that there's like impact, like immediate or just, just jumps out at you right now. And you can say that is going to be that good. But there's some really, really interesting players who, if you give them a little bit of time, uh, and because of you know the way the assessment has gone, um, you know you haven't really been able to get a, a clean, good book on some of these guys because of all the circumstances that have happened. That can't be impact players, and and I think at 17, I think the Raiders are going to have some access to, to to some of those top guys. And uh, again, if you can bring in that consistent, pure pass rusher uh, off of one edge. Let Klee do what he does um, on the other edge uh, as, a, as a true bookend play-in-and-play-out three-down lineman, a guy that, a, a, a guy that you, you don't feel – you're not worried at all no matter what the situation is when he's on the field. Like there's sometimes, you know, there's certain players that you just kind of hold your breath uh, if they run right at them. You know what I'm saying? Like, like the like the guy that's the flashy pass rusher. Um, that that if you run right at him, he's going to get exposed. A guy like Cleve Farrell. That's the thing. I want, I worry about that when you you bring up Yannick Ngakwe, and he's also got that stigma out there that that he's similar to a Trent Brown, where it sometimes takes him a while to get motivated, and he's one of those guys that's is a, it's about the flash beat with him being the edge rusher getting to the sacks, but against the run, he's not as great. Yeah, and, and you know, you, look, there's the, the perfect player um, rarely exists. My perfect player, you know, growing up was, was Lawrence Taylor. You watched Lawrence Taylor and you're like, holy cow, this dude is just a menace out there. Like he affects every single thing, including how – Offenses began structuring themselves. Uh, that whole thing with bringing the tight end uh, to cover the tackle, that was never happening <laughs> you know, in the NFL until Lawrence Taylor showed up. So guys like that, uh, that's the perfect player uh, it, it, in a lot of ways. Everyone, for the most part, Aaron Donald's a perfect player too. Uh, but, but for the most part, you know, there, there's, there's guys that are just 
really strong in certain areas. This is what you hope. The good, the really good ones are very, very good in in, in one area, pretty good in another area. Hey, we might ha- we may have to kind of kind of protect him in, in 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 this type of situation, or just you know hope for the best in other situations. Um, so you know that's always going to be the case. And so when you're talking about you know Yannick Ngagwe, there are some some flaws in the game, but no doubt. You put him on the Raiders, and he's offering an upgrade over, um, you know, on a down-in and down-out basis compared to a Max Crosby. But again, and we've talked about this, uh, you know, the fact that you can there's, – there's power in numbers. So the more talented, effective pass rushers that you can bring in, uh, the better off you're going to be or just have, the better off you're going to be. So Max Crosby potentially moving – uh, to a to a a role off the bench. That's no knock on Max Crosby. In, in fact, it might make him an actually a better player. Um, it because might make him better because I feel like it's possible that that's that could have slowed him down by having to be out there so much compared yes. to last year. Why his sack numbers went down? He couldn't. You know, if you out there that more plays, you you're going to get tired stuff like that. And that also made me think of when you said no perfect player. I think that's what also hurts Clee is he's coming in as you know Khalil Mack with the fifth overall right. And he's four, so they're going to figure, oh, well, both of them should be in that same category. And it's like, Khalil Max, uh, he's one of the only players to make all pro at two positions in the same year. So yeah. you, can't, you can't go like that. So that's, but that's one of the things that, again, that, that Raider fans feel like, oh, that, that's where he should be because he's replacing Khalil Max, so that's who he needs to be. And it's like, you can't do that. Yeah, and it's not his fault that he's not Khalil Mack. There's very few people that are Khalil Mack. Um, but, you know, uh, again, um, and, and I'm, I'm going to reiterate this, either, you, you know, are you helping or not? Uh, are you a good player or aren't you? Are you part of the solution, solution or aren't you? And, um, you know, Clee Farrell took a big step forward, was playing his position uh, at a fairly high level, uh, was was really hovering in that top ten among defensive ends. Believe it or not, I know. Again, everyone gets caught up in the in the in the pass rush totals, but that's not always the end all be all. Uh, you know, he was he was playing at a high level late in the season. Um, you know, he got knocked for the loop late in November with COVID nineteen. There was uh, there were injuries as well. And if you don't think that COVID nineteen, by the way, is is real, talk to talk to Clee Farrell. It really hit him, man. Uh, and there were some issues, you know, with, uh, with, with, with fatigue and coming back and working his way back into shape. Uh, it was no joke. Um, and, and, you know, he did the best that he could to, to get back on the field and, and, and do his thing. And I give him a lot of credit for that. Uh, but that really did take a toll. But in spite of that, you know, he played well last year. And before that, he was playing really well. Um, so, uh, you know, give it a little bit more time, you know, because I think there's pieces of his game, parts of his game. Uh, that he's still putting together, and what I can say about Clee Farrell, just in the brief time that I, we were, you know, when I got here in November of 2019, uh, really feel like he's a conscientious, smart, caring, devoted, passionate football player who's going to do whatever his ceiling is. Dude's going to get there, I guarantee it, because he wants to get there. He has that in him, and let me uh, trust me when I say. Not everybody does. You're never going to have to worry about that with Clee Farrell. Whatever that ceiling is, he's reaching it. And I believe the ceiling could be pretty darn high. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. 
Now back to your hosts, Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. Back out uh, to the Raider Nation listener line. Uh, Dana is on the line. Uh, how you doing, Dana? Great, Vinny B. How are you tonight? I'm really good, thank you. Hey, I'm uh, just weighing in on the uh, defensive line, but before I did, I have a couple theories that I wanted to bounce off of you. Um, is it possible that knowing what was about to happen, with the, that the writing was on the wall with the Chiefs and elsewhere, that the Raiders did what they did, promoted the way they felt about Trent Brown, and then traded him to make sure that he didn't end up in the AFC West? In terms of uh, the, the Chiefs potentially I mean, signing? Yeah, it would not be good to see Trent Brown on the Chiefs if he actually plays on a contract year, right? Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, I'm not so sure that um, you know that uh, Trent got 11 million dollars from the New England Patriots. Although talking uh, to an agent uh, today, and uh, from their understanding, a lot of that is is based on you know playing time and incentives and things like that. So I don't know if he got the full 11 million dollar right in his pocket. Um, it might take. Hey. A, a little bit to get him there. But yeah, I'm sure that, you know, when you're making a trade, I think the first thing you want to avoid is first thing you're looking at is getting fair value uh, back for the player. But, you know, if you can find, uh, you know, if, if you could find that fa- fair value in Siberia rather than right next door, you're going to do that, you know, so that you don't have to uh, see him uh, out on the driveway every day, picking up the newspaper uh, alongside you and be reminded of it day after day after day. So yeah, you know, there's no doubt that if you're going to make a trade, you're probably going to look to, to send them as far off as as possible. And uh, would would the Kansas City Chiefs have been in position to be able to to sign um, Trent Brown? I'm not so, so sure about that. You look at what happened with with them uh, having to part ways with Mitchell Schwartz uh, and Eric Fisher. It just goes to show you where they are um, in in their salary cap. And I had another agent who who said um, based on what 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 they've you know, not to disclose everything, but anyway, what the, the the Chiefs are in such a bad spot that they're you know they're they're trying to bargain basement everything. It's almost like entry level uh, salaries that they're offering uh, at, at certain positions, and it just shows you how real the salary cap is, the effect that Patrick Mahomes is already having on that uh, on the on that salary cap uh, and other players too. But but for sure, your quarterback and the difficulty in continually rebuilding and maintaining uh, around a high price quarterback uh, like that. And that's why I've always said, and I've been, I've been trying to preach this to Raider Nation and everybody else in the NFL that's listening uh, or reading, hey, no guarantees just because you got Patrick Mahomes that you're going to be the Super Bowl, the, 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 the reigning AFC West champion year in and year out. Um, if they can do it, hey, uh, tip of the cap. But I'll tell you this. What happened in New England um, in, in, during Tom Brady, uh, his years there where they just owned the AFC East, that's an outlier. That never, ever happens. I don't care who you're talking about except for that situation. I am not so sure um, that the Kansas City Chiefs can pull that off. They're going to have some, some down years. I can, it's going to be kind of like the New Orleans Saints. You know, they, they had, they had a few, uh, they've had a few down years with Drew Brees. They've always rebuilt around him, but it's taken some time sometimes. I, I don't think that Kansas City Chiefs are just going to run away and hide just because they got Patrick Mahomes. Good luck rebuilding, maintaining, sustaining around uh, a high-priced quarterback like that. If they pull it off, great. For them, I'm not so sure that they're going to do that. They're always going to be around. 
lurking, uh, but are they going to always be the cream of the crop? I'm not so sure about that. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line, and let's talk to Dave, uh, talking about the Raiders. How you doing, Dave? Good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing really good, thanks. So I know you've been pounding the table uh, for John Johnson a lot, and, mm-hmm. and obviously he's a great player, but my concern with him is, um, you know, it's not going to take one player to come in and kind of cure everything that's going on with the Raiders' defense. It, it only takes one guy um, to miss a tackle or take a bad angle or blow an assignment, and the whole defense looks like garbage anyway. So if you pay a guy like Johnson who's going to command a, a hefty salary, how much is he actually able to fix on his own? Whereas I kind of wonder if it might be a better strategy to go get a guy like Rayshon Jenkins uh, who's played in Gus Bradley's system, and then also kind of use your money elsewhere to, to improve at several different positions. And one guy, and I apologize if someone else has brought him up, I don't know, I didn't hear the whole show. Um, but one guy I, I look at is Indomitian Sue, um, who, who's just got a, uh, an attitude that was made to be a Raider. <laughs> yes, uh, he does. He's a disruptive force in the middle, uh, a guy who can – play the run as well as he plays uh, as well as he collapses the pocket um, and and might not cost so much because he's up there in age now. Yeah, I'm just thinking about Indomitian. I uh, haven't covered him for a couple of years. Very interesting dude, I have to say that. Um, I'm just picturing him in the in, in this Raiders locker room. Um, it, would be, it would be interesting to say the least. Um, I think there, there's other interior defensive linemen uh, that I would probably pursue uh, first. Uh, ahead of Sue, um, he, he's definitely you know he still can play football uh, w- without question. Um, but I don't know the the fit and everything like that. Um, I, I I would wonder about that about bringing him in. Uh, here's the thing about John Johnson, and then this is what I what I've um, I don't think that he's like the end all be all in terms of he's going to fix everything. Um, there's there's. You know, there, there's areas that obviously the Raiders need to get better uh, at, at without question. But I, but I will say this. Like, I don't know if they I, – I, I'm not – I don't believe that the cupboard is bare. Like, there's holes all over this defense. I think there's a couple of places where they can go to if they can really hit in free agency and the draft in, in a couple of spots that can make all the difference in the world. Because I do believe that Damon Arnett has talent and can be a, a viable NFL quarterback. I do believe that about Trayvon Mullen. I do believe Corey Littleton has it in him uh, to get this thing turned around, especially under their new coaching staff um, You know, with Gus Bradley and Richard Smith, the linebacker coach. Uh, I do believe Clee Farrell is going to be uh, a continued part of the, part of the answer. Uh, I do believe Nick Kukowski can play football and is, and is a quality NFL linebacker. So you start adding all of those players up, and you're like, okay, now let's see what they can do around them. So in Jonathan Abram, I'm interested to see what Jonathan Abram can do with you know in this system and with a player like a John Johnson playing alongside him. Uh, a, a Johnson helps Abram. He helps Mullen. He helps uh, Arnett. Um, he helps that defensive backfield immensely and of course he provides a huge upgrade at free safety then you add a a pass rusher uh, whether it's through the draft and a interior defensive lineman uh, quality interior defensive lineman whether it's through free agency or or, or the draft all of a sudden some of those holes that you have are all of a sudden filled and now they're playing alongside players that still have talent still have promise I've reiterated this and talked about this 
I've talked to defensive coordinators who had their eye on this Raider job, and one of the reasons they did is because they felt like there was talent here to work with. Now it just needs to be nurtured, developed, put in the right place, and obviously you need to make some uh, improvements as well. Hey, I want to say thank you to everybody that listened, everybody that called in. Appreciate all the energy. Uh, everyone on Twitter, uh, I know we go back and forth. It's all good. You know it. Uh, everyone could have differing opinions, but I'm right. You're wrong. No, just kidding. Uh, uh, keep it coming. Uh, always appreciate it. Uh, Damon, uh, or, or Damon, I say Damon because I'm always talking about Damon uh, Arnett, but Damon Cotton, our great producer back at home base. Appreciate you, brother. Uh, thank you. We'll be back tomorrow, 4 to 6 o'clock. We'll continue uh, this discussion about what the Raiders can. Hey, have you checked the calendar? Next week, free agency starts. Free agency starts next week. I cannot wait. You're in the huddle, Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embodor.